If you have a Bible, I'd like to invite you to open to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to ask you to start with me at verse 21. Now, some of you were not here two weeks ago when I started this, or maybe it was three weeks ago when we started this series. I want to give you a brief overview. The book of Ephesians has six chapters. And three of them, the first three, focus on Christian doctrine, the theory of truth. The last three chapters of Ephesians focuses almost exclusively on Christian duty, okay? So the first book is the theory. The second half of the book is just on practice. And we have been examining a part of Ephesians that the... Reformer Martin Luther, he called this the family table. In German, it's Haustafel. And he called it that because it deals with things on how to be a Christian but in the home. And last week, we covered, or not last week, but the last time we did this, we covered about the role of husbands and wives, and we focused almost more on the role of the wife. In Ephesians 5, Paul spends a great deal more time addressing husbands. Now, some of you in here are not married. And I just want to say this. If you are a man or if you are um, planning to be married or if you have been married, all of these things apply. And even if you're a lady, just know that This is an analogy, what we're going to be discussing is an analogy of the role that Christ plays as our spiritual husband. Does that make sense? Okay. So hopefully nobody tunes out because they think, oh, this is just for the men. Let's let's come down to verse 25. Now, the reason I told you to start in verse 21 is because that's where the section begins dealing with the family. But verse 25 is where I want to pick up today, and I want to ask you to look with me at two verses, verse 25 and 26 as we begin. Here's what it says. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, I know that it seems odd that that Paul has to write this. But two weeks ago, I gave you a little background into what pagan marriage looked like. And it was actually very, very dysfunctional. And so Paul enjoins Christians, husbands, love your wives. And just this past week, I came across an African proverb that I thought was so appropriate. This is an African proverb that says, a happy man marries the woman he loves. A happier man loves the woman he marries. And you you really have to be married to understand this, okay? I just want to say this. Some of you probably like, that's the same thing. It's the same thing. The beginning, no, it's not. Let me read it one more time. A happy man marries the woman he loves. A happier man loves the woman he marries. And, 
You know, the reason I, I, I'm, I'm sharing this is because Paul's injunction here, husbands, love your wives. It is a plain statement that in many ways needs to be said and reminded to Christian men everywhere. You know, I know this from experience, and, I, and this is sad, but I, I have to say this. I know this from experience. It is possible to live with someone that you are married to, but not really love them. Some of you are, are starting to think, is his marriage in trouble? No. Like, I love Eugenia. Okay? I just want to be clear. But some of you know, I was married before, and I was divorced, and I know that it's possible that you can be married to someone and not love them. That's possible. And so I'm saying that the Bible enjoins husbands to love their wives. And, you know, it's interesting because when you look at how Paul tells them to love their wives, it says in verse 25, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, I want you to look closely at that verse because when you think to yourself, okay, was the church always faithful to Christ? What's the answer? No, it wasn't always faithful. Yeah, the church. Was the church always as beautiful as when they first started dating? No. And, and you know, obviously this is figurative, but I think you understand the implications. Um, did the church ever do things like, you know, were they ever unthankful or ungrateful or disrespectful to Christ? Absolutely. But the Bible says that husbands should love their wives as what? As Christ loved it. Jesus loved the church with an unfailing love. Can you say amen to that? And that's the kind of love that husbands are called to love their wives. Now, wives, that does not mean that you can just act crazy. Does that make sense? That's not what that's saying. But you do understand that the love that husbands are to manifest to their wives is that unchanging, unflinching, uh, irrespective of circumstances, it's the love that will give itself completely for his spouse. That's the kind of love that Christ calls for. But that's not all. Look at verse 26. <clears throat> Here's what it says. <clears throat> that he, that's speaking of Christ, might sanctify and cleanse it, with the washing of water by the what? By the word. Now, I want you to notice what's happening. It starts off by saying, husbands, love your wives as who? As Christ loved the church. And then it talks about how Christ wants to wash the church and cleanse it by the word of God. But don't miss this. Don't, don't, do not miss this. The analogy still applies to Christian marriage. What do I mean? In the Christian marriage, the husband is the figure of Christ in the marriage. Does that make sense? And in the same way that Christ's influence for the church is to bring it up spiritually, please listen because this is the point. In a marriage relationship, it is the husband's role 
to be the sanctifying influence in the relationship. Can you say amen? So, so let me say that one more time. In a Christian marriage, it is the role of the husband to be the influence that brings the spirituality of both parties up in the relationship. Now, I'm going to tell you that I have some friends that are single. And they've dated. And, you know, when we talk about different people that they're dating, one of the things that I hear is something like this. One of them, at least one of them said this. He said, I like her because she brings me up. Okay? And, and I want to say, that's a good thing. You don't want to like someone because they bring you down. Amen? You don't want that, right? But I want to be clear. It is the role of the man in the relationship to be the sanctifying influence between the two parties. In other words... It is the husband's job in the family to be the one to help his family to become more spiritual. And what does that look like? Let, let's be practical. Let's talk about what that really looks like. Now, I'm going to read you something from a book called Education. This is from page 187. And I just want you to listen to someone that God chose and how he did it. This is what it says. God called Abraham to be a teacher of his word. He chose him to be the father of a great nation because he saw that Abraham would instruct his children and his household in the principles of God's law. And that which gave power to Abraham's teaching was the influence of his own life. Now, I'm going to pause there. Why did God choose Abraham? Because he saw that Abraham would teach his family to be and to follow God and to obey God. Now, I think that in the West, and, and I'm, I'm speaking for the American mindset, I think in the West, we think like this. We think, okay, the husband's job is to make the money, and the wife teaches the kids about God and takes them to church. Like, that's a very common mentality in America. But that's not how the Bible describes it. The Bible says that it's the husband's role to love his wife and to sanctify her and to help his family to become more spiritual. And I want to I give you an example of how a husband can do this. First of all, in every family, I believe that there should be at home, not here at church, but at home, there should be some form of family worship. There should be a time when the family comes together and prays and, and spends some time in some type of, of reading, whether it be a Bible or a devotional, but there should be a time like that. And whose responsibility does that fall to? That falls to the husband. Not just that, you know, that's a proactive influence. But I also believe that the husband should be the one that guards his family against negative spiritual influences. What do I mean? If you're a father, if you're a husband, 
I believe that you have to have the courage to say to your children or to your spouse, honey or kids, I do not think that that program or that show or that book, that music is going to help you to grow spiritually. And I think we shouldn't watch or listen or read that. Does that make sense? I believe that that is part of the role because in the end, the responsibility of the family spirituality, it falls on the husband. He's considered to be the spiritual leader. Now, this is tragic, but there is a story in the Bible of someone who, because of his example, caused his wife to be lost. I'm going to read you this from the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 161. So please listen to this. If Lot himself had manifested no hesitancy to obey the angel's warning, but had earnestly fled towards the mountains without one word of pleading or remonstrance, his wife also would have made her escape. The influence of his example would have saved her from the sin that sealed her doom. But his hesitancy and delay caused her to lightly regard the divine warning. Now, I want to be careful how I say this. Everyone is saved and lost because of their own choices. Does that make sense? But don't miss this. According to that statement, Lot's wife was lost because of the example of her husband. Are you with me? And, and you know, this is the irony. This is the irony. Lot was saved. Lot was saved, but his wife was what? I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this. If you go to the Middle East right now and you go on one of those Palestine tours, they will actually take you to a little mound and they will tell you that that mound is Lot's wife. Did you know that? Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret. It, depending on whose tour you go on, the mound is different on different tours, okay? No, no, but, but look, 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 that's not the point. The point is this. Even, even as recently as Jesus' time, which was only 2,000 years ago, okay? Even as recently as Jesus' time, the pillar of salt that Lot's wife became, they say, was still standing at that time. Are you with me? Now, I know some of you are thinking, how could it still be? It doesn't rain a lot there. You get it? So it, it's, not, it's not hard to understand how it could last so long. But this is the point. When Jesus said in, Rev, in Luke 17, remember Lot's wife? The disciples, they probably had seen at some point the pillar that Lot's wife had been. To understand that that's a reminder to husbands that your example, your influence, your leadership, it can be the difference between your wife and your children being saved or being lost. Are you with me? So I know this comes as a heavy hand on husbands, but I want to also ask you to look with me at Ephesians 5, verse 28. Are you ready? Ephesians 5, verse 28. Here's what it says. So... 
Paul goes on, so ought men to love their wives as their what? Their own bodies. Now, this one is so practical because Paul wrote this almost 2,000 years ago, but men have not changed much in that time until now about how much they love their own bodies, okay? I used to live in a dormitory, and the reason I'm telling this story to you, I just dropped off my son at college, and he's now living in the dormitory. And it reminded me of all the people that I went to school with and the crazy people that I met there. But I'm going to tell you some true stories. In the, do- in the floor beneath me in my, in my um, school dormitory, we had a young student who would not drink water from the tap. You know, you know the, the faucet, he would never, not even from the water fountain. He only bought distilled water from the grocery store. So like every week he would go to the grocery store, he would lug back like six gallons or seven gallons of water and he didn't drink any other water but that distilled water. And you know, I didn't know why. Everyone has some unique peculiarities. But one day I asked him, Ray, why, how come you only drink distilled water? He said, if you drink tap water, by the way, does anybody know what's the difference between distilled water? Does anybody know? What, what does distilled water not have? Yeah, it has no minerals, no chemical. It's just, it's, it has no minerals. It doesn't conduct electricity. So what he said was, and by the way, just as a disclaimer, what, what I'm sharing with you is just what he thought. This is not medical advice, okay? But he claimed that distilled water, it causes, I'm sorry, Tap water, it causes calcification of your arteries, and he wouldn't drink it. He only would drink distilled water. By the way, that guy today is a doctor. Okay, now, I'm not saying, I'm, look, don't, I'm not saying that that's medically sound. I'm just telling you what this guy would do, okay? And I have a friend right now in this Pennsylvania conference. He's a friend. He's come over to my house many, many times. And one day, you know, I, I, he came over. I said, do you want something to drink? He said, sure, what do you have? And I said, I have some of this, like, soda. It's not real soda. It's, it's called Zevia. It, it uses stevia to sweeten the soda instead of sugar, okay? So it comes in these – it just looks like regular soda, and I, I buy it from the supermarket. Anyway, he said, oh, does it come in an aluminum can? I said, yes. He said, I don't drink anything that comes in an aluminum can. And I thought, okay, what, what's wrong? You know, and, and he said, oh, Alzheimer's. You didn't know? Al- you get Alzheimer's from drinking out of aluminum cans. Okay. So, I, I, and look, I'm, you know why I'm telling this to you? Because every guy that I know has something that he does because he loves his what? His own body. I, this is true. Every week I go to the gym, and there's these big muscular guys, and they have this little ritual. I watch this every week, okay? So they have this little jar, and they open it up, and there's this little scoop, and they take it, and you're supposed to mix it in water, you know? They don't. They just go, and it's just powder, right? But that's not it. That's not the end. Then they take a bigger one. They open that one. And by the way, that one is called pre-workout. It's basically just caffeine. Okay, so they take that. All right. And then there's a bigger one, and they open that one, and the scoop is bigger. 
they take that with no water and go, and now there's all this like powder around their mouth, you know? And then they just drink the water and they down it. And that one is called branch chain amino acids, okay? And, and this is the thing. When I watch these guys and they spend, you know, two hours working out, when I watch this, it's the same thing. You know why they do it? Because they, they love their own bodies. And you know what Paul's saying? Paul is saying to his followers, to the Christian church, he's saying, look, love your wife as you love your own what? Your own body. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this, but I think that as much as men, like, so I hope I'm not alone, but even after I go to the barber, and maybe you don't do this, but I do this. When I go to the barber and I get my hair cut, when I come home, I get the clippers out because he always missed a few. So I always like go and I cut the rest, you know, by myself. And I spend maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes fixing what the barber didn't do right, you know. <laughs> and every guy, I think, has something like this where they spend a lot of time because they care about themselves, right? But in that same way that you pimp and, uh, and you 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 primp and you, you, you know, take care of yourself, you're supposed to love your wife. And you know, what's very interesting is that I think a lot of times men don't consider that for women, and it, I, I'm, I hope I'm not generalizing, but for women, oftentimes what's important is that they have someone to listen to them. Like for my wife and I, <clears throat> she will often complain about her work. And when she complains, I want to go and like, I want to strangle her boss because I feel like he's being unfair. But she doesn't want me to strangle her boss. What she wants is someone to just listen to her and let her vent. Does that make sense? And husbands, if you love your wife as you love yourself, you have to give them time to be heard. Does that make sense? And, you know, I could go into like a list of things that husbands should do courtesy, communication, but for sake of time, I'm going to come down to verse 30. Please look with me at verse 30. Here's what it says. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be what? One flesh. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to break this down. Many people read this verse and they think one flesh. That's just talking about intimacy. But that's not. It's not just that. What Paul is talking, and notice what he said in verse 31. He said, uh, verse 32, this is a great what? Mystery. So what Paul is saying is this idea of a man and a woman becoming one, he's saying this is a great what? It's a mystery. It's a great mystery. Now, I want you to know this. As a couple spends time together, I genuinely believe that there is a process by which they become one in a number of different ways. For example, my wife and I have been, we just celebrated our fourth anniversary 
last month in August. We've celebrated our fourth anniversary. And this is one of the things that I observed after four years. My wife and I have become very similar in many of the things or the ways that we think. Are you with me? Like our views on politics are pretty similar. Our views about food and diet are similar. Our views about how to spend money are similar. I don't know if you saw, but my wife and I, we have the exact same car. Like just one is white and one is black, but same year, same model, same everything. And this is what I've observed. The more time you spend with someone, the more like that person you become. Does that make sense? And so have you ever noticed when a couple has been married for a very, very long time? Like, and I, and I hope I don't offend anybody by saying this, but like Sabir and Mandakini, they look like brother and sister. Have you ever noticed that? No, and I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm not saying that in a, in a negative way. I'm just saying that when people live together and they spend time together and they've lived together for years, they basically look like they are siblings. Does that make sense? Like one another. And you know, folks, this is, the, this is what Paul is saying to, to, to men and to women, that as they spend time together, they become one flesh. They become one and it's in, it, it happens over time. This is a process which takes place. Now, why am I saying this? Because I believe that husbands, if you want your spouse to be more spiritual, first you have to start with you. Does that make sense? Because the more spiritual you are, by becoming one, the more spiritual your spouse will become. Does that make sense? And in every other way, this idea of becoming one flesh, it starts with the man. Because if the man is, is elevated and if he's in Christ, the spouse and the family will follow suit. Now, I want to close with Ephesians 5 and verse 33. Very simple verse. Paul summarizes his, his injunction to the, to the husband and wife with this. It says, nevertheless... Let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I, I just want to just say this. I believe that this verse encapsulates the secret sauce of what makes a successful marriage. If a husband will love his wife, and she feels secure in his love, there will be a special magic that happens. If the wife will respect and reverence her husband, there will be a special thing that develops in that relationship. And you know, folks, today the world, it has all these formulas. You know, they say, okay, do this to spice up your mind. Do this and make this. And you know what? God's formula is very, very simple. And God who made us knows what's best. Amen? If you don't remember anything, just remember verse 33. Husbands, love your wife as much as you love yourself. Wives, respect your husbands. Please bow your heads with me as we pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful for the Bible that gives us an unflinching 
and clear guide on how to have happy homes here in 2022. Lord, we live in a time and an age when the home is being attacked on every front. Gender ideologies and feminism and all of these things that are ultimately causing havoc and causing chaos. We pray that you would help us as Christians to have clear thinking which comes from above on how the home should be. Lord, be with each family in this that's represented here. Be with the future families that are represented here. May we follow the divine injunction for happiness. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.